This is the Breaking Labels Podcast, and I'm Rosanna Gill. Each episode, we'll discuss labels that have confined the stories of my guests at one point or another and their journeys to thrive beyond them. Some labels are external, and others we put on ourselves as limiting beliefs. But regardless of where the label comes from, we're here to break it because we were meant for so much more. Hello, and welcome back to the third part of the series, A Different Perspective. If you have not listened to the first two parts, I had a wonderful conversation with Lori Harris and Catherine Montgomery discussing topics and questions that listeners submitted about race and ethnicity. And I'm very grateful to Lori and Catherine for those two those two episodes because it really opened my eyes to things that I had been pretty oblivious to. And one of the things that stuck out to me that Lori talked about at one point was white supremacy and how we buy into it sometimes without realizing it. And we end up talking about, you know, the fact of how you choose your child's name and whether or not they're going to be taken seriously for jobs based on their name or speaking the King's English versus not. And after my conversation with Lori and Catherine, it just so happened I was editing another episode that I recorded with a wonderful woman named Hilda, who happens to be Mexican. And as I was listening back to the episode and editing, I came across a portion of it that in light of my conversation with Lori and Catherine really, really hit me. And I understood in the most personal way what Lori meant when she said that we buy into the white supremacy. We buy into these, this belief system that white is right. My initial response when I heard what I said in my conversation with Hilda was to delete it because I didn't want that. What I said to be out for everyone to hear. I understood now in light of my conversation with Catherine Laurie, just how bad it was and how oblivious I'd been to my own buy-in to white supremacy and white is right. White is right. And I did delete it. And then I sat and I thought, and I thought, and I realized, huh, maybe, even though I really don't want to admit that I said this, it would help. Maybe by me sharing this clip, it might show other people how our intentions and whether or not we consider ourselves racist is actually pretty irrelevant to whether or not the things we say can harm people. I couldn't help but think of all the times I had heard people say, I'm not racist, but, and a lot of times that's followed by something that is actually pretty racist to say, but I was struck by the thought of how eager we all are to prove that we are not racist, but how less eager we are to really look at the things we say and why we say those things. So I'm going to play the clip now and then explain (laughs) just what's wrong with it. Mm -hmm. No, I I saw that with 
some of the, the, the people that I worked with where there was this, it was very tough, right? Because I would see the, or I would hear the comments that people would make and not even just Americans, like, well, Puerto Ricans are American, but like Puerto Ricans and Cubans, because I worked at a Cuban restaurant and I would mm-hmm. see the way Puerto Ricans and Cubans would treat the people that I worked with who are Mexican, which that was like, that blew my mind because. And it was I, not nice, I, right? It was not nice. No, it was horrible. And they would be so rude. And I and I grew up small town, South Carolina, and this is not a nice thing. And I never said this to someone, but there was one time this Cuban man was so disrespectful to, to, to one of our servers. And I wanted to go up to him so bad and be like, you know, in small town, South Carolina, they don't know the difference between Cuban and Mexican. Like you're just brown and you're going to be treated the same way. So I don't know why you're treating him with such disrespect because an ignorant white person does not know the difference. Right. Right. Why do you think that you have a right to treat this other person? So I was just, it was very hard to see. Okay. So maybe when you listen to this, you heard it right away. Maybe if you are like me, who was oblivious and was more focused on her intention when she said it, you don't get it. And that's okay. Because again, I didn't get it. I said it and I didn't get it until after that conversation with Catherine and Lori. Problem with what I said to Hilda and what I wanted to say to that Cuban man who was insulting my Mexican friend was that my intention to protect my friend was to belittle one brown man and put him in his place by virtue of how he would be seen by white people. Doesn't get much more racist or white supremacist than that. If I am so vehemently against the idea of white supremacy, you would think that I would never, ever use the belief system that white is right and brown is wrong against someone, especially considering I've had it used against me, especially considering (laughs) I'm mixed. But that's why I wanted to share that. Because when your knee-jerk reaction or response is to belittle someone because of the color of their skin, even if it is to protect someone who has the same color of skin, it doesn't matter what your intention is. It doesn't matter whether or not you consider yourself racist. You are a part of the problem. And to listen back to that was probably one of the most humbling, embarrassing things I've ever had to do. Actually, no, discussing it and sharing it is probably more humbling and embarrassing, but I'm hoping it helps. Because I have heard over the years a lot of people, and I gave the example earlier of I'm not racist, but but the other one I hear a lot of is, I can't be racist. I work with someone who's Black. I can't be racist. I have a mixed nephew or niece or family member. Now, here's the thing on both those examples. Just because you work with someone who's Black, heck, even if you hire them, doesn't mean that you're not racist or haven't said racist things. And my favorite one is the one where somebody says, I can't be racist because I have a mixed family member. At the risk of sounding vulgar, unless you are in the room when that family member was being created and you were cheering the two people who did create the human being, that really had nothing to do with you. 
So it also has nothing to do with whether or not you're racist or not. Just going to say that because I've heard that one a few times. And I actually, sadly, fell for that one when I was dating someone. And I wasn't really sure where they were on the racism scale. I wasn't sure if it was. So I made a point, which I didn't typically do at that stage of my life, of mentioning proactively that I was mixed on our first date. And I still remember the pause. And then he said, that's okay. My nephew's right. Or my nephew is mixed. Mixed kids are beautiful. And I took that to mean, oh, you're not racist. You would never say anything racist. And then was corrected a few months later when we were sitting watching the news and a black man's mugshot came on the news and this person proceeded to use the n-word a few times at which point I looked over them incredulously and said why would you say that like why would you use language like that you know what I am and he gave me this freaky sneer it was I can't even describe the look it was part patronizing part I don't want to say evil but it just wasn't a nice look and he said haven't you ever looked at the tattoo on my back and I said no because quite frankly it was a really ugly tattoo and I thought he just got it when he was drunk so he turns around lifts up his shirt and asked me what is in the eye of the skull on his back and he said lightning bolts and he says, not lightning bolts, cracker bolts. And I just sat there. And I looked at him. I said, what does that mean? He said, white pride. That means white pride. And he proceeded to explain that white pride meant different things than it used to and a whole bunch of other stuff that really is pretty irrelevant. I wish I could say that was the end of that relationship, but it wasn't. I'm not entirely sure what that says about me. So, <laughs> as a mixed woman who has always been very passionate about race and why people seem to care about something that matters so little, it doesn't matter who's in your family. It doesn't matter who you date. It doesn't matter who you're trying to defend. You could still say something incredibly racist. You could still have bought into a belief system that you're not even conscious of. No one is exempt to this. No one. And if we put half as much effort into simply questioning our knee-jerk reactions and thoughts as we are to advocating for all the reasons that we couldn't possibly be racist, we couldn't possibly be a quote-unquote bad person, maybe we could have a few more conversations that need to be had. Maybe when a thought like, I'm going to defend my friend by putting you in your place as a brown person comes to your mind, you can be aware of it. And you can say, the person I choose to be does not think things like that, does not believe 
that it matters whether or not a white person values someone or not. What matters is that I value you as a human being. And I, as a human being, don't like the way you're treating my friend, regardless of yours or his color of skin. It doesn't matter what the intention is. Doesn't even matter if you've been subjected to the exact same thing. The summer between my junior and senior year of high school, my aunt and uncle gave me a wonderful opportunity to go up to stay with them in Connecticut and work for the summer um, as a basically a nanny for my cousins. And it was great. I got to earn money. It was how I paid for my senior pictures. Like it was a great opportunity. And um, it was a, a good experience. But I will never forget taking my little cousin to Walmart. And we're in line and she and I are talking. And this very nice gentleman is looking on us actually quite affectionately. And um, and says, are you her nanny? And I said, no, I'm her cousin. And he kind of, oh, oh, oh. Because I should also mention that my cousin is half Japanese and half white. So it really was not so crazy that he wouldn't assume that we were cousins, okay? But after he said that, I started to look around. And I started to notice that the only place that I saw people that looked like me were at the Walmart. Or when I passed the homes in my family's neighborhood and people that look like me either worked in the yard or cleaning the houses. And I had been completely oblivious to the fact that I didn't look like anybody at the church or in any of the places we went. But when I started to notice that in this city, in this town, the only person that looked like me was the help. It was humbling. And it made my walks a little different. I started noticing that every time I would go for a walk, no one looked like me. They were either white or they were Asian, but they did not look like me. As I looked at these homes that I could only hope that one day I could live in, I wondered, but why doesn't anybody that looked like me live in them? And yet, years later, I still told, well, I didn't tell him. I wanted to tell that man where he stood in this world. I wanted to put him in his place like I was put in my place by someone who was so well-meaning, who meant no harm. I genuinely do not think that man at Walmart meant anything. Because if the only people that look like me with curly hair and olive skin are nannies or yard workers, in your neighborhood, why would you assume different? In the book, So You Want to Talk About Race, I have mentioned it in the first two parts of the series. And I will talk about it again because I cannot encourage people to read it enough. It is an amazing book. But in the book, at one point, Ijoma talks about her mother, who's white and has three, I believe, three mixed children. And how at one point she has a conversation with her mother because her mother calls her after making a joke about race with a black man that she worked with. 
and wanted to justify why she made the joke she did by saying, well, I have three black kids, so I'm not racist. That stuck out to me a lot. Again, going back to that whole experience of I can't be racist. I know someone. I've cared for someone. I love someone who is of color. It doesn't matter how closely you are related to them. It doesn't mean that you couldn't have bought in to racist beliefs. I hope that if you get nothing else from the series, it's that you question where thoughts come from about race, that you start to pause and realize that just because something is your knee-jerk reaction does not mean it is the right thing. And just because you've always thought one way does not mean it is the only way you can think. I hope you set out to prove all the ways that you are aware or trying to be aware of what might be ingrained in you that you are completely oblivious to. When I decided to do this series, I thought that it would be so, it would give so many revelations to people. Most likely, let's let's just call it like it is. I thought it would give a lot of revelations to white people because I sensed and felt this resistance and hesitancy to really talk about race in ways that could move a needle that could truly open up communication. And I was hoping that this series would help bring some of those walls down. And instead it showed me there are walls I didn't even know I had up. And it showed me all the times I was like Ijoma's mother and thought, well, surely because my mom is black, Surely, because I have gone through my own experiences as a mixed woman, I am qualified to talk about race. I can speak to my own experiences, which ironically are more aligned with what it's like to look Hispanic in this country more than anything else. But it is not my place to explain what it's like for other people in this country. It is not my place to explain or be a representative for Blacks to other people. And I say that because over the years I've been asked that, Rosanna, you're mixed. Why do Black people do this? Or is this racist? Or insert any other question. And I have to tell you, if I learned anything from this series, which I learned a lot, is that (laughs) I've never been qualified to answer that question. I have no right ever to talk about what it's like to be black in this country because I don't know because I didn't know what I didn't know and I thought that caring so much about how other people felt was enough to talk about the way they felt and it's just not it's not enough I sincerely hope that you take the opportunity to have conversations with people in your life, especially if they are people that you're using to justify how racist you couldn't possibly be or how open-minded you must be to have a friend or a relative or acquaintance that looks like them. 
This will be the last episode of a Breaking Labels for a little while while I work on launching the next podcast, Her Time. It is not the end of Breaking Labels. There will be another series, and I'd love to hear from you. If this series opened the door for any conversations in your life, let me know. You can email me at rosanna at breakinglabelspodcast.com or you can reach out on Instagram. My Instagram handle is rosanna.e.gill. And don't forget that the Breaking Labels podcast has an Instagram as well. And it is Breaking Labels Podcast because I wanted to keep it as simple as possible and I didn't want to forget it. So I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for being a listener of Breaking Labels. I hope that you will come back for the next series as yet to be determined. (laughs) And I hope once my next podcast, tentatively titled Her Time Launches, you tune in for that as well. But regardless, thank you for being here. And thank you for being a listener. 